You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast, and I am very fortunate to sit down with Mr. David Armitage, voted one of the top young golf instructors in the United States of America, or is that international? Uh, it's in America, that award in particular, but uh, I also have some awards in the UK as well that uh, I can discuss later. He's an award machine. <laughs> But you know, honestly, it's a it's a privilege to have David in here today. Um, you know, David is happens to be one of the guests at Anatomy at twelve twenty, and he's an awesome guy, um, focused individual. And we have some of our best chats early in the morning. And what I love about David is he's you know, he's insightful. He's got a lot of great thought in regards to coaching, in regards to athletes, and the mindset and how they focus. And I'm just really looking forward to hearing some of his stories. So, David, tell us about your start and how you started in golf, because the Magnum Method podcast is all about finding people who are highly uh, focused overachievers in their own industries. And your industry is golf, and you're a focused individual. Tell us when that started for you. So, golf came to me a little uh, later than most. Um, we hear about a lot of top athletes starting, at, uh, and we've had these discussions about starting very young. Um, I was a rugby player. That's a, that's a real sport where we play without pads, by the way, just to well, clarify. Well, you're clearly real men. <laughs> we're, not, we're not here. Um, but anyway, I was a rugby player. Um, had, I love the team sport aspect. I love the training. I love the hard work. Love the sweat. Love the sort of atmosphere and just the camaraderie amongst the, the players and, you know, being out there freezing cold together, working hard with a, a combined goal. Um, my dad uh, passed away when I was 11, um, which was a tough time in my life. Um, and he was a golfer, he was a, a scratch player, but I, I never ever saw him play golf. Uh, I never ever played golf with him and uh, he never sort of knew that I played golf. I'm sure he does today, I hope he does. Um, yeah. And three years after he passed away, I found his golf clubs in, in my garage. Um, and. Uh, I just wanted to do something that he did. Um, cool. And I can honestly say uh, that I really sucked when I started. <laughs> um, I don't know if I believe that. Um, it was definitely not something that was natural to me. It was the opposite to my mindset, which was being on a rugby field, being insane uh, right. for, for 80 minutes. Right. Um, and golf really tested me in many ways. It, it, and I fell in love with the sport. I, it tested me so much mentally. I had huge anger problems when I was playing golf because it was such a, a sort of patient sport um, and it was slow and it was all the things that I wasn't used to. Um, I guess there was a lot of emotional ties with my the reason I got into the sport. Uh, and my friends I played with were a lot smaller than me and hit it a lot further than me, which really annoyed me also. Right. Um, so I, I really, you know, the next two years I played a lot of rugby, but every minute I had, I sort of, when I could, I played, I played golf and I, um, I eventually fell in love with it so much that I decided that 
it's what I wanted to do forever um, and I, I wanted to make a career of it so within 18 months of picking up a club I, I got my handicap from never touching a club to uh, plus one which wow. was wow. a pretty amazing um, feat and I was uh, competing nationally uh, back in the UK um, played for the Welsh boys uh, my mum was from Wales um, and uh, I started really having a you know a, just an aff affiliation with a sport that I loved and, and a dream and uh, it was it was something special that was sort of growing inside me let's say I think you know, firstly, let me say, I'm sure your dad is watching you and, and proud as can be of the person that you are now in regard, because I know you to be the high character, awesome individual, number one, but number two, you know, well accomplished in, in, in golf as an instructor, but as a player, and I'm sure he's proud of you. But let's talk for a second about the, you know, when you have those deep roots and you saw your dad play and it's important to you, it's been inside you, there's a lot of history there. Talk about the transition going from such a physical and aggressive game in rugby and transitioning to such a mind, uh, highly focused game or a uh, the mental game of golf. Well, I think the biggest the biggest transition was uh, team sport to an individual sport. Um, you know yourself, Mark, that you don't want to let your teammates down, but there are games where you're not as good as you as you want to be, and you can still win. Um, and you can still, you know, smile afterwards. You can look back and reflect. Golf is a game where you've only got yourself to look at, and 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 there's no hiding out there on the golf course. And there's so many different times. It's four hours to five hours uh, uh, in a tournament where you're really sort of got too much time to think, almost uh, too much quiet. Um, and your mind can race it can get ahead of yourself you can think what what if I you know what what if I win uh, too early what if I you know I don't want to embarrass myself like all these unfamiliar thoughts go through your mind that you're trying to fight with and trying to stay in the present you're right. trying to I guess in football it's trying to play one play at a time one pass at a time one right. tackle at a time and in golf it should be uh, one shot at a time um, and that was really hard for me just being out there alone and, and really fighting with my you know I, I wasn't a patient person I, I had anger problems I would say myself when I was younger and rugby was something that helped me with that because it allowed me to be that way of course and compete and golf wasn't so I remember at times when I was uh, my coach um, you know threatened to stop me from playing he, and no matter how much I loved it, he said, you can't act like that. I'd throw clubs. I'd do wow. things that were, let's say, I look back and I'm, I'm, I regret them a lot. But they also helped me be who I am today and learn uh, and has helped me form, you know, a, a better understanding of myself. Right. And I'm sure once you peel those layers back and you go through so many, um, you know, different situations, as you said, like with having your patience being tested, you know, I believe being good at one thing makes you better at another. And golf probably became some incredible therapy sessions for you to deal with anger and frustration. It did indeed. Um, you know, I remember I used to um, to get to the golf course. It was a, about a 10-mile cycle ride. Um, I had my clubs on my back. Uh, I set off at about 4.30 in the morning. Um, and I, 
and I couldn't wait to get to, to the golf course. I used to almost plot my day of practice in that cycle ride in the morning and it, it was cold. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, it, it's not warm in the UK at that time of day, summer, winter or autumn uh, or the spring, but- uh, 10 miles. Yeah, so wow. um, I used to get to the golf club and my first job was I helped pick up the bowls uh, on the driving range um, and because I did that, they allowed me to practice for free for the day. So that was my work. Uh, and I also helped out doing other things, anything I could do to allow myself because I couldn't afford to practice or be you know, a member at a club. So, um, and I built a great relationship with the, with the pros there and they started to take a liking to me and I, and I can't thank them enough for the, for the start that they gave me and the opportunities. Uh, you know, I was a young kid, whippersnapper, hanging around and trying to learn ears open um and it was a it golf seems like such a a nice sport mark in comparison but i had a you know i had a coach who i remember i turned pro and i i won my very first pro event i ever wow. played in so i, I this is a nice start yeah <laughs> it all went downhill from there um were you thinking wow this is easy i i sort of did for a brief second and i drove straight back to my club I ran down the driving range to see my coach mm -hmm. and I was, I was, I'm six foot two and I was about eight foot at this time going right, towards right, him. Right. And I told him, I said, I said, I won. And he turned around and he said, and, <laughs> and, and, and just turned his back on me. And, and, and that was sort of, you know, right. a great learning experience in itself. It's, it's some people, you know, that can harm. But for me, it really, you know, he was telling me a message there that was, hey, this isn't it. Right. You know, there's a lot more to come. There's a lot right. more hard work. There's a lot more graft. There's a lot more, um, you know, you've got to give that you haven't achieved anything yet. And right. um, and I think that that was my sort of school of hard knocks in a way of the personalities I were around that were a lot older and, uh, you know, very truthful, very honest with me. and you know, told me when I needed to do things, told me when I needed to change things. And I appreciate that forever. I'm sure, I'm sure you had a lot of great lessons there. Do you remember, you mentioned that uh, a lot of the pros took you under their wing. Um, do you remember one specific lesson other than that one from your coach that you'll never forget? I guess it was so many, but I, you know, it's it's a difficult a difficult one to to answer there were so many people i had about four or five people that really you know i learned so much from mm -hmm. uh, on a daily basis and the biggest thing of all they taught me was the the hard work um you know that yeah, i'm gonna get out of this what i put into it and yeah. and i i think um john wooden made a a, a quote um saying that you're best example is that you I don't know the exact words mm -hmm. but your personal the example you set and right. I had many people that set great examples um, and made me want to be like them made me want to work as hard as them made me want to work harder than them mm -hmm. um, and I also you know I was the youngest I was a young kid I was trying to prove myself I was trying to you know um, aspire to to be something great when I, I at this time I still wanted to play the sport professionally mm -hmm. um hadn't even thought about coaching hadn't thought about anything um, along that lines i i just wanted to i just wanted to win 
I wanted to be part of the Ryder Cup team. I wanted to win the Open Championship. I wanted to put on a green jacket and win right. the Masters. Right. I wanted to be Tiger Woods. <laughs> right, right, right. I imagine every kid at that uh, growing up kind of wanted to be Tiger Woods. I'm sure. I mean, it's not know. a not a bad record yeah, to yeah. aspire to, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, be, I, I think that kids that were playing basketball and football wanted to cross over and be Tiger Woods at that point. Um, so, after you know, growing up. Uh, at the club and you let, uh, several people take you under, under your wing you win your first match where do you go from there like how talk about the evolution of your of your game and how you came to be an instructor i found myself playing playing a lot and it's a very lonely game mark in the sense that you know you go to dinner with your friends but they're also competitors and you're trying to i left home at the age of 17 and um you know obviously started to fend for myself I started working as far as paper rounds dog walking uh, things like that when I was age 12 to, to help you know pay for my golf and my activities but um, you know when you go out and play tournaments you you're essentially gambling on yourself you know the entry fees the travel um, international tournaments flights um, and you've got to go out there and perform and you're at dinner after the first round and you've had a bad first round and your friends had a good first round he's not such a good friend over dinner you know and but you you have to see past that so what i found it was a very lonely sport airports become unexciting hotels become unexciting car journeys become unexciting and i found myself um you know looking at uh, other players and and almost helping them um, right. you know I'm helping the people I'm trying to compete against or you know I enjoyed watching them practice I enjoyed as much as I was getting a, a joy for my own game I, I also had this sort of little let's say seed that was starting to grow um, that was enjoying watching uh, the people I was competing against um, and at that time I started to feel like that I really wanted to be in this game regardless of whether I could make it a, as a player or whether I uh, could do anything in the game to help others. Mm -hmm. So I guess mm -hmm. that's where it sort of started. I was still competing. I was still, uh, you know, trying to play, but I was starting to feel the pressures of, you know, trying to pay the bills from my tournament winnings, uh, uh, trying to compete against people that I wanted to be friends with mm -hmm. um, and starting to enjoy the sort of coaching aspect of it from just you know offering my friends a wee tip here and there right. when they when they were struggling um and when, even though we were playing in the same tournament and i imagine it can be uh you know a bit overwhelming and and just with the stress of the the finances and paying for travel paying flights paying for food you don't necessarily do that well in a tournament and it's becoming stressful at what point do you cross over and say i'm going to focus on being a coach well, I, I, I sort of started, I entered what's called the PGA program, which is Professional Golfers Association back in the UK. Um, at the same time as I still wanted to play, but I used it as, uh, in my mind it was a backup. Okay. Uh, but it's, uh, I was still trying to play, but obviously I was now having to work uh, hours uh, at a club as well. Um, so it was harder. You have less time to practice, so you have to be, the practice has to be more quality than quantity. Uh, you go out there and, and are trying to compete. You're more tired than the other guys that are full-time players. 
Um, so that transition sort of happened as I sort of started to think about the future, started to think about uh, what if it doesn't happen. And I think in sport, with any athlete in any sport, as soon as those mindsets start creeping in, I think the writing's on the wall for the most part. Right, um, right. There are people that have made amazing comebacks. Uh, there are people that have been inspired to a second wind, but for the most part, as soon as you're starting to have doubts is when you're sort of on the, the slippery slope out of the, 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 the arena, let's say. Right, absolutely. So, um, you know, you're starting to feel it and uh, transition what was your first wow moment I, you know i think i'm going to be this is going to be my thing like i think i'm going to be a coach when you started coaching when did it start to sink in like you know people are actually looking to me for advice like you become one of the guys as i stated at the beginning of the show you're one of the top instructors in the country i mean that's a congratulations firstly but that that's a a, a huge accomplishment when did it start to sink in that you know, you're going to have the ear of some really well-established players, and this is what you do now. You're one of the guys. So I, I, I guess I had my first paid-for golf lesson, um, and it was a bit of a reality check. It was sort of like um, my boss said, okay, you've got a lesson tomorrow, and I was like, okay, who's giving me a lesson? I was, <laughs> no, you're giving someone, oh, okay, and I'm, and I'm charging for it? Yes. Okay, so I went home that night and I, I got every golf book I possibly had and I'm reading everything I can imagine. I'm thinking, you know, like I know golf, I know the golf swing, but you know, someone's gonna pay me for their advice, for my advice. Um, you know, what, I didn't know about coaching. I'd given tips before, but I hadn't actually, um, I hadn't actually stood there and, and thought about it or, or tried to put a lesson together. Um, so I stood there and I gave probably the worst lesson I could ever give and I'm still looking for that person to give them a <laughs> refund. Um, I'm sure and, it went well. And it, and from there it sort of, you know, I shifted my direction. That was a really sort of, um, you know, a moment where I was like, hold on, I don't want to feel like this again. I don't want to feel unprepared. I never wanted to feel unprepared in a tournament. Uh, it's why I practice so hard. And I don't want to feel unprepared out here when people are entrusting me with their enjoyment because that's what I'm there for now. I'm there to help them enjoy it more. Um, you know, golf takes so long. As coming to the gym here, Mark, you see so many people coming and dedicating spare time. They have families, they have work. It's time that they release and golf can be that for people as well. And I wanted to help them enjoy that time more than anything. So of course, I sought out every every single bit of information I could probably read a couple of hundred books within a year um, at, you know highlighting paragraphs taking notes um, and I decided at that time really I was still competing but it it was more of you know when I felt like I could um, mm. I was uh, choosing events that I would play in as opposed to you know relying on it let's say um, and I decided that I was going to learn everything I could about golf, about golf instruction. I was going to visit as many great golf coaches in the world that I could, take lessons from them as a student, but take in notes from it as well and try and shadow them. 
do every certification that I possibly could um, to try and um, you know get better. So right. I, I got an extra job at night. I was a security guard at a bar. <laughs> so if your name nice. wasn't on the list, you weren't getting in. Um, and I I was uh, so I, I was you know I was working four nights a week. I was working you know. 20 hours a day, four days a week, and wow. trying to pay for an education and invest in, in, in my life. And uh, my daughter came along at that time too. Wow, <laughs> wow. Um, so there's some extra pressure to throw into the mix. Right, um, right. And uh, yeah, so I, 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 I made a transition. I felt a lot of warmth spending time with people, helping them have fun. And I wanted to be uh, the best I could Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what I'd now chosen was going to be my path. My path. Interesting. And aside from, you know, just the skill set that's required uh, physically and mentally that comes along with golf, what I've learned in, in personal training and strength and conditioning is that the athletes I work with in strength and conditioning or the clients I work with in personal training is such a huge, vast education that comes with communication and being perceptive to people. And you know talk to me about the lessons that you learned from your interactions with all your clients and even athletes that you've worked with other other pros and what what are some hard lessons or, or what did you experience working with so many different personalities and uh, yeah different personalities and the way they they handle adversity it's uh communication is the key I think to life in a lot of ways. Absolutely, um, absolutely. I, I think the way that we uh, communicate with each other, the way we communicate with our friends, our enemies, our everyone in life, I think it's it's key. Um, and in golf, like personal training, everybody's different, and every person's different. They've learned in different ways. They've been brought up in different ways. Um, you, you deal with everything, and what you've got to learn, and I learn at a young age of my career was to listen first um, really pay attention really try and read people you know within that first interaction ask a lot of questions that uh, sort of you know can give you the answers that can help you formulate uh, you know an idea of what type of learner they are uh, what type of person they are um, and and go from there you know a lot of the pros that I teach now I'm very fortunate that I I teach some or I've spent some time uh, with some great pros and you almost have to make it their idea uh, and I know, it, I know this well yeah and it's, <laughs> it, it's a selfless way to teach because right. you, you, you I, I like to try and be selfless as much as I can but you know you're trying to almost make it their idea and they sometimes go away thinking geez why do I need him you know I just you know I just discovered it all on my own <laughs> um, and they don't actually even give you the credit that you sort of planted those seeds you pushed them in that direction right and the reason is for me is that they're more likely these top athletes they have to have an air of selfishness in them to compete um, it's a very lonely sport as I said earlier when I was competing and they're more likely to do something under pressure if they think it's their own idea. They're, mm -hmm. they're going to do it better than if they're trying to do something that someone else told them, even with a lot of trust, because they trust themselves more than they trust others. Right. We all do in some ways because we know ourselves best, right. or we think we do. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. If someone's going to put their reputation record or a championship or a, a putt, a swing, whatever it is on the line, they're going to go with what they think yeah. because they want to be responsible. And that, that's interesting. 
I always say it's, it's nothing wrong with taking the credit, but make sure you, you're accountable as well when things don't go wrong, right. So it's a two-way streak, and you got to have the balance there. So what, what, t- talk to, let's talk about some of the pros that you've worked with in, in you know, things that you may have picked up along the way that were huge pieces of your coaching strategies and experience. There, was there anything in particular that stood out when you you know you worked with a pro and you're like wow this guy's amazing he's, he's a stone face he's ultra concentrated on the moment and you just were so impressed with this individual you know absolutely there's there's some pros that have really impressed me there's some young athletes that i've got one girl in particular that i've been teaching for many years now um and she's in a second year of college and she wants to go pro and she's so talented and uh but she doesn't believe in herself so my lessons aren't so much of a golf coach even though my my, i am her golf coach but i'm always just trying to build her up i'm trying to build her confidence and you know i can't understand personally how she can't be confident because she's so good Uh, and but i'm not her and that's where understanding her mindset, understanding how she was brought up, understanding um, what she's like and trying to nurture her along and give her that confidence to perform is going to be key to whether she makes it or not. And um, there's a lot of other great pros that I've worked with that, you know, they say to me sometimes, you know, we'll be working on something, they'll hit it great on the range. And then they'll turn around to me and say, I just don't think I could do this under pressure. And and wow. for me, it's, wow. for me, I'm standing there and going, but you're doing it so well now. Why couldn't you do it under the pressure? And it's like they almost know what being in the arena, coming down the stretch, the same as the same as going into that last uh, two minutes of a, of a football game. You know, you've got to know yourself and what you can do in that situation. Right. Um, so it's it's really interesting how people. You know, you see things you, through your own eyes, but you almost have to look outside the box at all times. You have to put yourself, put yourself in their shoes. Because, um, you know, for me, I sometimes see things and think, you know, Jesus, you are awesome. But they don't trust it. And, and until they trust it, it's, it they're just not going to use it. And no matter how good it feels on the range, it, it's tough for these athletes to take something new to the to the golf course it's very interesting how do you two-part question when it goes bad and they get into a mental funk how do you get them out like I, I'm, I'm such a broad question i'm sorry but what are some strategies because i know as in what you said i mean I, i've known professional football players baseball players i've trained that I mean, they are unbelievable athletes, but for some reason they just can't put it together on the field or in front of big crowds or when those cameras are rolling, whatever it may be. What do, what do you do to try to get them out? Aside from the positive self-talk, the coaching, and what do you do? It's like trying to tell someone to relax. It doesn't. It's not the easiest thing <laughs> to say, is it? Stop telling me to relax. Yeah. It's not working, <laughs> right? Um, well, I, I'm very, I, I take a lot of notes. And I think a lot of coaches um, overlook taking notes when things are going well. And that's almost when I take the most notes. I want to know their keys, what they're feeling when they're playing well. Um, I want to know where they are when they're at their best. 
because that's the stuff that I refer back to when they're in a funk. Um, that's what I look at to 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 refer, you know, to show them. Well, look, this is this is this. These were your keys when you were at your best. Maybe two years ago. Maybe three years ago. This is what we need to go back to. We need to go back to, to you know, these feelings, these thoughts. And golf is a very feel-related game. Um, and obviously, as a coach, I can see but I can't feel what they're feeling because it's their body. I know what it feels like to me, but I can't tell them what to feel. I can, I can try and communicate it as best as possible, but I have to ask them a lot of what it feels like. So when they're playing at their best, I'm always sort of you know, trying to get as much information as I can, log it in my notebook, uh, and file it away for when things aren't going so well, trying to go back to those thoughts that they had when they were playing well. Okay. And that's, that's the... The biggest thing that I, I, you know, has helped me, but again, those challenges, we love it as coaches, as, as trainers, as instructors, when things are going bad, that's when we're tested the most. And that's uh, mm. the same as when I was competing, when I was, when I was up against the ropes was when I had the most fun looking back. Um, and, uh, you know, do you sw sink or do you swim? Right. Uh, is, are you the guy that backs turns and he goes away into the shadows or the guy that stands there and has accounted and I hope that all of my players know that you know I'm the guy that they can call whenever mm -hmm. I always, always end a lot of my emails that I'm here for you whenever you need me mm -hmm. that's to tell me your good stories or your bad stories and um, and you do become a little bit like a nanny uh, right. to these pro athletes I, sure. uh, I found that over my time it's sort of you know they 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 need people around them in golf the the golfers uh, really do you know tiger i've told spoke to you about it i've spent a lot of time with him and mm -hmm. he had a big following around him a big entourage um, mm -hmm. and you know it's such a lonely sport that you do need people around you you do need that support network you need people to help you relax mm -hmm. help you um, still enjoy yourself uh, even though you're a very selfish person when you're out in the ring or the arena but when you're off it you, you need that sort of way of um, unfolding and decompressing I think it'd be hard for most people to understand that for you to be successful in this type of game correct me if I'm wrong you need to be selfish when you're there otherwise you're gonna be completely distracted and then when you step away, it's going to be hard to flip that switch and turn it off. And as we've discussed many times, the players who do, who excel, or I always say, my theory is the best athletes in the world, meaning the most productive, and I, I maybe this is the wrong choice of words, but are a bit crazy or a bit insane with some of their choices. But I think because they are so distracted it, they need a certain level of distraction in order to calm their game down. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think we, we all have our, our things. <laughs> right. Um, we can name a lot of them. You know, there's, there's players that I know that like gambling, that mm -hmm. like all, you know, all sorts of different things, but it is their thing for them to get away from what is such an intense uh, part of their life and consuming part of their life. And uh, many great athletes have certain personality disorders or you know you could call it whatever you like but it is very hard to live a life being that selfish and not and be humble on the other side of it and i haven't met many right and when i have met those few they they are not 
closers in a way like the guys that are purely selfish right and then you've got others that try and act um you know i i see many guys out there you know almost like a fake smile at times in front of the camera is you know you can tell they're not being themselves right and it catches up with you it's hard to be two people um and it and i think that's where they a lot of people have made mistakes in Mm -hmm. the past is it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to act and not be yourself and if you're for let's say 70 percent of the time you're awake you're a very selfish person because you have to be to compete those that 30 percent it's very hard to 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 you know to be another type of person for Mm -hmm. that 30 percent right it's hard to to constantly be on and send a representative of yourself but why do you think they do it because i'm guessing uh common sense would tell me that it's unacceptable it's unacceptable to be open and out with the personalities they have because they're probably not socially acceptable would you agree yeah absolutely it's 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 hard to to be honest about you know some of the things that they do or some of the the ways that they decompress um and sometimes they get caught out with things but you know i think if we look at the new generation of golfers right now um tiger was always criticized for how he was with the media how he was with the fans he never really gave them anything never really you know was open he ran his press conference he's the bill belichick of golf <laughs> <laughs> absolutely the the press conferences would go on and the the press would ask him one question right. and he'd answer it with a completely different answer not right. even relative he right. answered he told them what he wanted to tell them and not announce more right. the modern era of golfers we've got you know jason day jordan spieth rory McIlroy are really quite open in their press conferences. It's quite refreshing in a way. Um, But I think that's why they'll never be Tiger Woods and they'll never get to the same levels as Tiger Woods did because they have that air of normal, (laughs) being normal there. Um, Everyday Joe, so to speak, right? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're special athletes, don't get me wrong, but they're, they're not, they've not made the sacrifices in of life that tiger made he's such Uh, an extremist right absolutely you know i i was lucky enough to be at his club working for uh two years and he was absolutely i've never seen anyone work harder i've never seen anyone waste less time than him he and I used to say to my young players that I was coaching the juniors is when they asked me what it takes. And I said, well, while you're asking me this, Tiger's still practicing and you're trying to catch him. Right. You know, so every minute you spend not, you know, working or wasting, he's out there working and mm-hmm. he's out there going further ahead of you. Uh, and, you know, golf's a little different. We've had some discussions There's some guys that don't need to practice as much and, you know i've started to find out you know I, i'm really looking at what makes a player tick as opposed to trying to tell everyone they have to do the same thing in golf because it is a very mental game and mm-hmm. you have to be in that right place mentally for tiger he needed to be practicing he believed that he practiced more than everyone he was more talented than everyone and because of that combination no one could be Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but other people, you know, that I've come across defy 
those rules mm-hmm. um, they're not as good as Tiger but I would argue that even if they practiced as hard as him you know they 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 would almost not be as good as they are because they think less about it you know we, we discussed that the other day in the club you said that sometimes the the pros or the individual the individuals excuse me that go out and practice more actually get worse yes <laughs> which was interesting to me because they start to become something they're not which is overthinkers and then they start to maybe they care too much and then it's becoming a real problem is that true absolutely i think uh it's a curse in a way to be too intelligent and play sport uh, to yeah. a point or yeah. a thinker let's let's put it in a better way it, to be a thinker and play sport because you you have to you have to be able to just do mm-hmm. in sport i think in most sports anyway um and in golf you have too much time on your hands between shots you only actually hit shots for about five minutes in the four hours Mm-hmm. So the rest of the time is controlling your thoughts and, and, and preparation. So if you're a, a super intellect and you think about everything, to be able to decompress, to be able to perform and just do, mm-hmm. it's very hard. Um, oh, yeah. And sometimes being, you know, stupid um, right. can help. Just They just don't know what they do. I, I could ask some players, and I've, I've worked with some players, and they know so little about the sport that they are so good at uh, and it's refreshing in a way and they're the players that you've almost you, you don't want to change that because you add you give them information and suddenly it's overload right the raw is good actually yes, right it is right but it's it, that that's that's to do with the communication when we first start you know that's about getting to know our student whether they're uh, a beginner whether they're a pro whether they're a pro athlete that you train or, or someone who's just coming to, to get fitter and enjoy a longer life. You know, right. it's, uh, it's about knowing who's in front of us and, yeah. and how to help them, personalities. Absolutely. Yeah, and chameleon, being a chameleon in regards to coaching style and knowing how to deliver it and when, when to back off, when to push. Um, it's such a, coaching in itself is such a unique profession, you know. I don't care if you're a golf coach, a strength and conditioning coach, a football coach, maybe even a life coach. Like, I think it comes down to what you said, communication, being perceptive, and feeling out what type of personality am I dealing with and what's the, 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 what's the first most notable, most recognizable uh, hurdle that we must deal with and how do we get that person out of that hurdle either in their mental or their physical game whatever it may be uh, i think that's a nice transition into i see you in the club i see you train twice a day sometimes three times a day one time i looked up and he was here three times a day i said what day is it weren't you already here twice today and he's trains three times a day this guy and i started to, we started to talk and and i wanted to know how many golfers uh pay attention to training nowadays their health their body uh their nutrition is that is that big because some for example nba athletes believe they can't really lift a lot of weights they don't want to change their shot i'd imagine it'd be the same thing in regards to their swing and i'll tell you a quick quick story i was working at a corporate wellness facility and a very well-known golfer by the name of tiger was walked in and i watched him walk right by the front desk with his powerlifting shoes in hand 
He walked over to a spin bike. He did intervals on the spin bike for about 40 minutes. Then he left that area, walked over to a weightlifting platform. He did deadlifts, power cleans, and snatches for another 45 minutes. Then he left and went off to play in a golf tournament up north in uh, Florida, Tiger Woods. So it's a huge part of his life. He's a fanatic. And I remember Tiger saying if he wasn't a golfer, he'd be a, did you hear this? Navy SEAL. Navy SEAL, correct. It's a big part of your life. What? Tell me about the golf community now. Well, Tiger really has moved the needle. Some might say, and I, I'm on this thing, he is the needle. <laughs> um, but uh, it started with uh, Gary Player, um, who is a famous South African golfer. Um, and he's a very small guy. Um, I think he's about 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, so, wow. And he has been preaching fitness forever. Um, and has won multiple, multiple majors. One of the world's, you know, behind Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, one he's one of the three, uh, you'd, you'd say. And he has been talking about fitness for years. So it's not something that's new to golf, but it took someone like Tiger to come out and be so different, such a star, and be into fitness in a big way um, to really start to move the needle and he has now created many jobs many careers mm -hmm. um in in golf in that side of things so there's so many different now fitness programs for golf um uh, performance institutes uh talk about nutrition psychology all the different elements that probably were f you know in all other sports have been thought about for a long time but in golf it wasn't you know golfers aren't athletes they're right. you know they walk around chase a little ball and whack it with a stick and come in and have a beer afterwards and that was it but it, it's really changed now and money is the big thing as well you know the, they they are playing for huge purses each tournament now on the pga tour is uh you know 1.2 million um wow. for first place and and the bigger tournaments are 1.8 million uh, dollars for first place so you know there's a huge money rewards there's huge sponsorship deals all of the big players are in there now nike under armor mm -hmm. adidas um you know puma all all the big sporting brands have delved into golf because it's a big community and it's a you know for the most part it's quite a rich community right, uh, right. Uh, let's not hide around it isn't still known as let's say an exclusive sport in the way because it is so expensive to be a part of a club etc um, so Tiger really changed things. He was so fit. He looked, uh, you know, he wore clothes tighter than players had in the past, uh, almost showing off his physique. Um, and, you know, it was, and he hit the ball so far. Um, you know, and now there are guys out there that hit the ball far that have never lifted a weight in their life. Right, um, right. You know, there's some inner built, let's say, um, ability I'm sure it's the same in, in pitching. You know, there's there's some guys that have right. a fastball and they're, they're maybe not a Roger Clements in build or right. stature. They exactly. they have some sort of elasticity or uh, right. some sort of mobility that allows them to create amazing amounts of speed. Right. Um, Pedro Martinez, um, uh, the guy that used to play for Tampa, I can... Um, of his name right now and now he's plays for the Reds like these are tall lanky guys yeah. that just generate so much force yeah unbelievable so um, 
Tiger, so Tiger really changed changed golf forever. Uh, changed my career in a way as well you know with everything that he brought to the table meant people were investing more in in golf investing more in getting better um, in all parts of the game um, so it's 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 huge now and I and I enjoy it a lot I, I always say like I wake up every morning Mark and I, I think we're similar in the sense I, I think when I open my eyes the first thing I think is what what can I achieve today right what can I do today what can I how can I make the best of my time and I find it hard to waste time um, uh, I think uh, you know a lot of people when they're quiet sit back and so I try and fill my time that I can't say every one of my workouts is the most productive that I right. do sometimes they're filled with email responses and I'm teaching golf uh, virtually on, on my phone to, mm. to many of my students that are away from Miami while I'm on the elliptical. Right. The, I think you're going to put a name tag on it for oh, me yeah. soon. <laughs> David has his name tag on the first elliptical to the right. Is it the first or the second right I, there? I've changed the machines because okay. people were, were getting me so associated to the one machine. Right. I didn't want to. They said, is this guy going to get off that elliptical? <laughs> I said, well, he did. He's just been here three times today. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, but I'm doing something. And I, I think every little, every little bit counts. I, I believe in getting 1% better each day adds up. Um, and uh, and I love the atmosphere and the environment that you've created. Oh, thank uh, you. Not just yourself, but the people that you surround yourself with are are all champions in their own right and great people. More importantly, yeah, there there's a pretty special group here, and that's uh, the they're just uh, I call them next level people and trainers because you know I know them superficially from being trainers but then when you get to know them and spend time around them and it's it, listen it's my responsibility to get to know them as well but when you really get to know them there you realize why they're in this because it's a very rewarding profession and we wake up as you said every day that what can you, what can you achieve and you know one of my trainers the other day said there's a ton of self-help books in the bookstore is a huge self-help section but there's no section that says how to help others so they need to kind of demonstrate those things on a daily basis and i thought that was brilliant and uh, honestly i'm just lucky to be around them from the trainers to the people in the office they're all special people so thank you and thank you for being a part of it so <clears throat> coming to uh, a bit of an end of the show um i'd like to ask you a few questions it's basically a speed round to learn more about yourself and uh, let the listeners know who you are. Um, so you can be one word answers, sentence, whatever you'd like. Just a uh, long list of questions to get to know David Armitage. Okay, you ready for this? Um, I'm ready and set. Okay, okay. So what is your, what's a unique habit you have that no one knows about? I didn't realize it was these type yeah, of these, questions. Yeah, these, these uncomfortable questions. I'm, I'm a little OCD. And I, but I believe right now I'm in control of it, which means I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I mean, in control of my OCD. Have you ever heard that? Control of your OCD. Um, so That's I, interesting. I, I tend to, you know, clean up after people wherever I am, whether I'm at work or I'm at someone else's work. I understand. Um, so um, thank you for cleaning up. <laughs> so yeah, that's something that I, I try and hide sometimes because I think sometimes it can make people uncomfortable. 
Um, but yeah, no, that, that would be a habit that that's I. That's okay. That's a gift, by the way. I I yeah, hope so. It's a gift. Uh, your favorite ritual? What's your favorite ritual? Um, waking up early and and coming here now. That's and right. It's, uh, you know, it's it's the favorite way to spend spend a day i was away working for the summer mark and i that's right you know i missed it a lot i miss right. seeing yourself and feeling the inspiration and the energy and it's there's not many better ways to start wasn't the same without you my friend <laughs> now we're back to being an official club favorite pastime other than golf other than golf yeah um i'm a foodie foodie um uh, so i i love uh, i love eat, uh, either cooking or uh, going out for you know a dinner. I love Mexican food as well. I'm nice. really partial to some salsa, chips, guacamole, the simple nice. stuff. That's good. They have good spots in Miami Beach. They do. Um, favorite sports team? Manchester United. Nice. I've heard that before in the show. They get a lot of uh, love, Manchester United. They do indeed. Your favorite athlete right now? You could do all time and right now if you'd like, or current athlete. Um, Tiger Woods is is the guy that I grew up okay. watching, emulating, but not in not in uh, golf uh, would be Muhammad Ali. Um, okay. I just think he defied all odds. I think he he set new boundaries and he uh, inspired so many that they could achieve their dreams um, uh, and to never quit. Um, I, I think he, he, he really changed a lot of people and made a big movement. Absolutely. Certainly did. And will be missed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Favorite food? Mexican. Mexican. But Mexican food, uh, favorite restaurant then in Miami Beach or Miami? Favorite restaurant actually in uh, Miami Beach is not Mexican. It's sushi, but I love pub sushi. Just pub uh, belly. Pub belly yeah, sushi. they do just, a good job. They yeah, do a they great do. job. The snow over crab there. there is fantastic. Yeah, they're great. Perfect. Now I'm going to ask you this, and I, I'm going to answer this for you. <laughs> Favorite movie of all time: The Legend of Bag of Vance. No. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, Tin Cup. No. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Rocky. Rocky. I am. I am. Wow. I, That's serious. I am a big. Do you know what? Rocky. Um, there's a new one out, Southpaw, that came out last That's a year, good one. I think. That's um, a good one, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. I, I just movies that are inspirational really get me going. They're, right. they're people that, you know, the underdog that works hard, the, yeah. the guy that comes back from adversity. Um, I, I, really, I really enjoy those type of movies we have a lot in common you know it's interesting the Sylvester Stallone story may be a more interesting uh, adversity filled story than the Rocky story do you know the Stallone story I, I don't I'm going to send it to you later but it talks about how many times he was rejected uh, from the Rocky script because he wanted to be Rocky and they said he was ugly there was something wrong with his mouth and it was never going to happen and he was poor at one point and had no money lived in the street and he said no, no to about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in nineteen eighty. I mean, talk about being convicted about your cause, right? He wow. said no. I'll send that to you. I'd look, look yeah, forward it's great. to that. It's great. Last book read. Um, well, I've just started the Relentless book. 
that uh, yeah, you great. kindly sent me. So that's great. Uh, that's a book, but I read a lot of golf books. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I'm sure. And I read them over and over and over again. So, right. um, and uh, you know, I love motivational books, but uh, I'm getting into Relentless right now and really enjoying it. Tim Grover, he's great. That's a great book. Um, so last book read. Favorite book. Favorite book. Um, I'm John Wooden's The Guy Over Here, um, and I've read all, most of his books uh, a few times, but over in the UK, my favorite team is Manchester United, mm -hmm. and um, Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson was the manager for 27 years, I think wow. 27 years, and brought more silverware than um, just changed the club, uh, brought right. back, they hadn't won the title for 27 years, and I think after he'd been there for six years, he brought the title and then followed it up with, I think, 12 out of the next 16 years, they won the title. So right. um, he, the way he managed um, and some of the stories that he tells about dealing with, you know, stars, right. and bringing them all together right. uh, and throwing out a few. <laughs> I'm sure, um, I'm sure. Uh, so his autobiography, his biographies, um, he's got two books and they're two favorites of mine okay favorite type of music uh bpm probably because okay. i'm i mainly listen to music in the gym so okay. something lively something upbeat understood mentor who is the uh mentor you'd like to credit mentor um i had uh, an old pro in scotland uh, called jim farmer who was a big mentor of mine uh, for a lot of my early years of coaching. But uh, Jim McLean, who I who I work for essentially now, is uh, probably my biggest mentor and taught me the most um, in recent years. And mm -hmm. before I came and worked for him, I'd read all of his books. He's had, he's got fourteen published books uh, multiple times, and I'd watched him teach, and I'd uh, you know uh, looked up to him. And then I got the opportunity to. Uh, he invited me to work for him, which was uh, so. He's been a big, awesome. uh, a big person in my life. Terrific. Favorite quote? There's so many. I know it's hard. Um, I wrote a few down actually because okay. I was, uh, I was actually thinking you'd ask me this. <laughs> I was, um, he has a notepad on the table. Uh, I think the, the the one that came was a John Wooden one. Actually, don't let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. I think people. You know we're always coaching um and people are so quick to use that word cannot um and i try and replace it with the word try um and then i you know i don't think there's always one way of achieving things so right. you know I, I think that sort of quote for me was at the top of my list uh, of, yeah. of good quotes that say a lot of what i think about daily oh it's a powerful quote for sure if you could put one phrase or word on a billboard so the whole country would see it, what would that word or phrase be? Um, Anything you want. Well, I, I'm a big believer in hard work. Um, okay. uh, I think that you, you really get out of everything in life what you put in, uh, be it friendship, most importantly, uh, be it your family, uh, be it the uh, your career, um, so I really believe that hard work is 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 one of the keys to what I believe in. Um, but I love the word relationships um, because I think 
they're what makes the world tick mm. uh, and that word communication so I think not quite answered it in one no, word one sentence no, that but, was terrific. but those sort of uh, all of those things uh, together um, help me get through each day and I, you know I, I live by those rules let's say no that's very helpful last question what type of mark uh, do you want to leave you could say the game I prefer on this world when before your time is done I, I want to be you know I want to be the best I can be um, I can't get there alone um, I can't reinvent the wheel of golf um, but I I want to learn as much as I can and I want to make a difference to as many people as I can and I, I want to be you know I would say I want to be regarded as, as one of the best in the world at, at my profession at one time or other um, however it's very subjective and it, I don't I, I get all of my let's say inner love or my uh, good feelings in life through helping people and what they give me back and for me all the awards that I've I'm very grateful to have won um, on anything on what I get each day from my students that smile that uh, that um, you know that phone call that text message when something goes well when they feel that I've helped them so mm. you know as much as I'd like to be the the best in the world um, that's my you know the, the dream that I have um, I think to be there you, you've had so much help along the way and um, day to day regardless I'm so happy with spending time with the people I do and whether they're Amazing. a beginner or an athlete in markets you know I, I often say watching some of my pro athletes one of the guys that I helped this summer Torbjorn Olison just won last week in Turkey wow. um, and amazing he yeah. worked so hard I'd, I've spent four months with him uh, seeing him most days when he wasn't competing uh, but that gives me as much joy seeing that as a complete beginner making contact with the ball for the first time in the right. correct way and looking back at me and smiling and like you know it's like the first time she's done something and it, that sort of moment so um, rewarding for yes. sure rewarding, I think we're, we're very sure. lucky to be in uh, the 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 careers that we that we're in today absolutely a million percent david thank you so very much for being on the show it was awesome i can't wait uh to have everyone listen to this show so thank you it was amazing really thank you for making time i appreciate it thank you so much